Well, as we continue in our worship this morning, let's uh, take a couple moments to uh, continue our worship in the Word. But before we do that, let's begin in some prayer together. Heavenly Father, we come before you thankful uh, that our hope is in you. Our hope is in the one who died for our sins, rose again in newness of life, and offers salvation as a free gift to anyone who will receive it. And Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness of sins we have in your name and the opportunity we have to sing about it now, but to sing about it forever and ever. Lord, as we take time this morning to transition to worship you in your word, we pray, Lord, that our hearts would be ready, that our hearts would be prepared, that you would remove distraction from our minds. May your word be a light into our feet, a lamp into our path, So what we know not this morning, teach us. What we have not, give us. And who we are not in Christ, we ask that you'd make us. We ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, There's a story that's told of a a young man who was entering his first pastorate. And he had just graduated seminary and he was super excited to begin pastoring for the first time. And he sat down in his office for the first time, very excited. And there in his desk on the top drawer, he, as he opened it, he found three envelopes. On top of those three envelopes was a message from his predecessor, his, his, the previous pastor, and on the note was written this, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you, but if ever you find yourself running into difficulty, I want you to know that I've prepared three envelopes to be a source of encouragement only in those times when you might need it. And so this pastor, he saved the, the, the envelopes, but he figured to himself that he wouldn't ever need them. But sure enough, just two weeks into uh, pastoring there, into his ministry there, he needed some encouragement. Uh, one of the members of the church was leading a Bible study in one of the rooms, and it was way too hot. And he came over to the pastor, and he started yelling at the pastor, upset at how, the, how warm that particular room was. And the pastor, didn't, he didn't know he was going to run into problems like this or know how to deal with it. So he went to his office a bit disappointed, a bit discouraged, and, and he opened the desk and grabbed the first envelope. And he read that envelope, and it was from Joshua one night. Be not afraid, be not fearful or dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you may go. And and that encouraged him. That strengthened his faith, and he continued on. And Well, it was about three months later that another time for that he felt discouraged once again and uh, he was making some changes at the church and some of the leaders of the church didn't like them and so they came up to him and they became critical of him and once again he got discouraged he went back to his office and he opened the second envelope and there he read Philippians 4:13 I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength that encouraged him again that warmed his heart and he continued to persevere through ministry well some more months passed on and things became sour once again. The attendance and the finances of the church began to dwindle, and the church leaders called an emergency meeting to discover what they were going to do with the pastor, if they were going to let him go, this young pastor, if they were going to keep him. Well, as the pastor found out about the meeting and the purpose of it, he was sitting in his office, but then he remembered, thankfully, there was one more envelope As he opened his desk drawer, pulled out that envelope, he read it, and on that envelope read these words, go ahead and prepare three new envelopes. (laughs) You know, uh, I was thinking about that story this week as I was considering what we were going to talk about this morning, is we're going to discuss God's design for spiritual leaders 
in the local church. I want to invite you to the letter of 1 Peter, chapter 5. We're just going to be in the first four verses together as we consider God's design for spiritual leaders in the local church. You know, Haddon Robinson once said this, the the modern preacher has a job description that sounds like Superman. He's expected to make house calls like an old country doctor, shake hands like a campaigning politician, prepare lessons like a professor, and see as many people as a psychologist. Uh, He has to be skilled as an executive, as the president of the business, and as shrewd as a, uh, a financer or a banker, and as a good diplomat at the same time. As a result, those entering ministry are confused about who they are and what they're supposed to accomplish and how they're to live up to the impossible expectation. This morning, we're going to take some time to talk about God's design for spiritual leaders in the local church when it comes to elders or pastors. Now, as we turn to our text this morning, we're reminded that Peter is writing to a people who are facing growing pressures of persecution. And the reason why he transitions from the subject of suffering to spiritual leaders in the local church is in order to remind these believers is that what is needed most in those times of adversity, what is needed most in those times of difficulty, what's needed most in those times when they are suffering intensely are spiritual leaders who are going to shepherd the flock through times like And so would you stand in honor of the reading of the word as we consider God's design for spiritual leaders in the local church. Chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, reads this way. The elders who are among you I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, Serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Let me read verse 5 just for context. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The word of the Lord, you all may be seated in the presence of God this morning. As we have opportunity to walk through our text and to consider God's design for spiritual leaders in the local church, I want to take some time to talk about a few things. The first thing we're going to look at is the role of spiritual leaders in verse 1, the responsibility of spiritual leaders in verses 2 to 3, the reward of spiritual leaders in verse 4, and then the response to spiritual leaders we'll just briefly talk about this morning in verse 5. As we get started this morning, as we consider the, the, ro- the role of spiritual leaders in the local church, we first get to see how they are introduced. Peter introduces them this way. He says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you as overseers. Peter begins by introducing to us the role of spiritual leaders, and the way that he does that is first connecting it to the context of suffering. In the original Greek, Peter uh, uh, uses a conjunction to begin the sentence that can be translated therefore or now. 
And that conjunction connects us to the end of chapter 4 where Peter in verses 12 to 19 was instructing us on the subject of, of suffering. And there we learn that suffering is, is not to be a surprise to believers, it is to be expected. And that those who suffer with Christ in this life would be reminded that they are going to share in Christ's glory in the next. And as Peter connects this introduction to that of the role of spiritual leaders in the church, the reason he does that is because he knows of the need for them. Peter takes a moment to, to tell these believers, in the midst of the pressures of persecution you're facing, in the times of difficulty and adversity you're going through, God has uniquely prepared and designed spiritual leaders to shepherd the flock during these difficult times, during these times of adversity, during these times of difficulty, during these times of intense suffering. God has prepared and designed spiritual leaders to, to lead you through that time. You know, it's interesting to note that in times of adversity or suffering, those are often times where we find ourselves, unfortunately, wanting to avoid gathering with the people of God rather than attending the fellowship of the people of God. And the reason is sometimes, you know, when we're going through hard times or difficulties, we don't want other people to see us in our time of weakness. We don't other, want other people to talk about us behind our backs in regards to what we're going through or walking through, but what we're reminded in light of the context and why Peter introduces to us the role of spiritual leaders called elders and, 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 uh, and pastors is in order to help us bear one another's burdens. We're reminded this morning that the church, uh, when you think about it, is a hospital for sinners before it's a museum of saints. And as we come together as the people of God, we are not yet perfected and we are being perfected. And as we talked about last time we were together, uh, when we read about what the church is and how God designed the church, we're reminded that God never designed us to suffer in isolation or to suffer in silence, but God designed us to suffer in community. At the end of the chapter, in the last chapter, we were told suffering is not a surprise, should not be a surprise to us. It is to be expected. And because of that, we should expect not to suffer alone. We should suffer in the community of the believers as we bear one another's burdens. And so Peter begins the text by introducing us to the role of elders in the church by, by connecting it to the context of suffering and showing us the need for spiritual leaders to lead during these difficult times, these times when there are intense pressures of persecution. Secondly, the manner in which he introduces the role of spiritual leaders is by describing them as elders. Uh, throughout the New Testament, you'll see spiritual leaders, that position is described uh, um, as elders, pastors or shepherds, overseers or bishops. And so whenever you see the, the word pastor, elder, um, overseer, bishop, they're all terms that are used interchangeably that refer to the same position. We're talking about elders or pastors in the local church. And all throughout the New Testament, that's what you see. Now, when we're talking about elders, when you take a look at the rest of Scripture, we're talking about those individuals who exercise spiritual maturity. When you hear the word elder, you think automatically of someone who is older, but when we're talking about an elder in terms of a spiritual leader in the local church, it doesn't necessarily refer to physical age, but spiritual stage. 
We're talking about those who walk in and exercise spiritual maturity in the body. After all, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul writes to Timothy this way and says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And so when we're talking about elders, we're not just talking about those who are of a particular age. We're talking about those who are a particular spiritual stage, those who are walking and exercising spiritual maturity. After all, how many of you know that you can be older and wiser, but you can also be older and foolish? At the same time, you can be younger and foolish, but you can also be younger and wiser. It more has to do with spiritual maturity. In 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, we read about the qualifications of elders, pastors, or overseers in the local body. Often when you read those seven verses in chapter 3, you see that it has more to do with character than it has to do with ability. If you read the first seven verses, you'll see there is only one qualification in terms of ability. They have to be able to teach. The rest of the quality traits have to do with character. Let me read that. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of bishop, he desires a good work. We're talking about bishop. We're talking about an elder, a pastor. They're used interchangeably for the same position. Verse 2, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, literally a one-woman man, Temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the children in submission with all, uh, care of the house? Here of the church of God, excuse me, verse 6, not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Verse 7, moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. And so when we're talking about elders and the qualification of what it means to be an elder, pastor, overseer, also used to describe a bishop, it's one who exercises and walks in spiritual maturity. Secondly, it's one who functions in a plurality. All throughout the New Testament, whenever you see elders, you see them described in a plurality. Only a handful of times, three or four times, do you see elders referred to in the singular. A majority of the time, they are referred to in the plural. You read about that in texts like Acts chapter 14, verse 23. There we read, So when they appointed elders, plural, in every church, singular, and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. In James chapter 5, verse 14, the church is invited when they are experiencing intense sickness to call upon the elders. Is anyone sick among you? James 5, 14 says, let them call upon the elders, plural, of the church, singular, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so the reason why we have a plurality of elders here at Twin Rivers Church is because that's the pattern we see in Scripture. Whenever you read about elders in the local church, they're often referred to in the plural. We're talking about elders. So not only are we talking about elders who walk in spiritual maturity, elders who function as a plurality, but elders who are in a position exclusively reserved for men. 
What we're reminded in Scripture is that men and women are equal but different. That God designed men and women to function within the home, within a marriage, within a family, and without, within a church uh, to complement one another with the unique gifts that they have been given. When we read about it in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 13, this is speaking of those in positions of spiritual leadership. It says, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. Verse 12, and I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. And then we see why that is, because it's a pattern that was given at creation. Verse 13, for Adam was formed first and then Eve. And so when we're talking about elders, when Peter introduces us to the role of elder, we're talking about those who walk in spiritual maturity, those who function as a plurality, and those who serve in a position exclusively reserved for men. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, as we just read it, we talked about a one-woman man. And men and women in the local church are equal but different, and they complement one another with the unique gifts that God has given each one. And so first, he, he introduces this role of spiritual leaders by describing them as elders. And then next, in verse 1, he introduces the, 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 the role of, of spiritual leaders in the church, not just by describing them as elders, but by introducing himself as a fellow elder. Isn't it interesting that Peter doesn't appeal to the authority of his apostleship, but simply presents himself as a fellow elder, a fellow pastor in the local church. He says, the elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings. Peter identifies himself as a fellow elder, as a fellow pastor. Now, many of you know uh, Peter's story in the Gospels. Peter was a man who followed Jesus for three years along with his 12 disciples. And uh, Peter was a man who we could say often put his foot in his mouth. He often spoke before he thought. And it's interesting after the resurrection how Christ redeemed that. And Peter would be the primary spokesperson for the apostles declaring the gospel of the good news to the ends of the earth. Well, we read about Peter who, after he denies Jesus three times, the Lord um, um, restores him. In John chapter 21, we read about that in verse 15. And Peter is told this by Jesus. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then this is what this individual who identifies as an elder or pastor is told, he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him this, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying but by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. 
So what we get to see here is Peter, when he is restored by the Lord Jesus Christ after denying him three times, is told, feed my sheep, tend my flock, feed my sheep. And then is told the death that he would die, the means by which he would be martyred to share in the sufferings of Christ now, knowing that he would share in the glory of Christ to come. And Peter says these words in verse 1, speaking to these elders, he says, uh, I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Yes, Peter denied Christ three times, but Peter was with Jesus during his three years of ministry. Peter followed him after being in the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus was arrested. And, and Peter, uh, even though he denied Christ, he, he tried to follow from, from a distance. And when was asked, Are, aren't you one of the disciples? No, 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 I am not. And whether or not Peter was actually present at the crucifixion, Peter identifies himself as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, but not only a witness of the sufferings of Christ, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. You know, last time we were together, we talked about in verses um, 12 to 19 about how those who share in Christ's sufferings are also those who will share in the glory of Christ to come. And so when Peter identifies himself as a partaker of the glory of Christ to be revealed, he also identifies himself as one who will share in his suffering. After all, Jesus told him the means by which he would suffer. And so what we get to see here is first the role of elders, pastors, or overseers in the local church introduced in the context of suffering, introducing us for our need for spiritual leaders in the local church, especially in difficult times, describing them as elders who are spiritually mature, those who are to feed the, who are to shepherd the flock as they are going to be commanded to in a moment. Before we move on to talk about the responsibility of elders and pastors in the local church, can I take time to just uh, give us a couple takeaways even as we're introduced to their role? The first one I'd encourage us to do is, is get to know those whom God has appointed as elders and pastors in the local church. There are different ways that you can get to know your elders and your pastors. You can take time to talk with us on a Sunday morning. You can have a conversation with us uh, during the week. You can set up a meeting with us. There are many opportunities that you can have to take time to get to know the elders of the local body. Can I suggest this morning that there are more of you than there are of us? And, and so can I encourage you, if you haven't had the opportunity to just sit down and talk with an elder, and we have five elders that make up our church body, myself, Luke Whitson, Jared Taylor, Kevin Fisher, Jason Cunningham. If you haven't met any of our elders or spent time chatting with them, can I invite you to reach out to us before we reach out to you because at times it can be difficult knowing that there's more of you than us. So get to know the elders of the church. Second, can I invite you to do this? Give your elders and your pastors an opportunity to get to know your prayer needs. Something we as elders do every week is we take the opportunity to sit down before we start a meeting and just talk about what are the needs of our church and how can we pray for those in the body. 
And so when we ask you to fill out a connection card on a Sunday morning or to connect with us online, we're not just saying that. We really want to shepherd the flock. We really want to know what your needs are spiritually, what you're going through in this season of life. Let us know so that we can take time to pray for you. Uh, What an opportunity it is knowing that there are many out here and there are just a few of us to know that God has provided small groups as a means to help shepherd the body. And there are group leaders who come together and help lead groups. And so can I encourage you, if you're not part of a group, that you would join a group. And something we encourage our small group leaders to do is if there are ever prayer requests that are not to be simply kept among the group, but those in the group would like to share that with the elders, that we would learn about what those are. And so if ever you're in a group setting and you want your elders to pray for you, take an opportunity to let your group leader know. Give us an opportunity to pray for you and to care for you in that manner. And then the third thing, in light of Peter's introduction to the role of elder or pastor, I I encourage you to, to take time to pray for your elders and your pastors. God knows that we are imperfect people. When you read the qualifications of an elder or a pastor, those are quite the list that we read about. And so may you take time to pray for their spiritual maturity, our spiritual maturity. Take time to pray that since we function in a plurality, that there would be unity among us. You know, as an elder group, we don't consider ourselves to have one who is necessarily the chairman or someone who is above the other. Um, We often say, you know, those who are functioning in an elder relationship are those who should all be on the same on the same page because we're all filled with the Holy Spirit and so we should be making decision in alignment with the will of God in light of the word of God and the spirit of God who informs the decisions that we make. And so if ever there's a time when we don't feel like we're all on the same page, those are times when we should take a break and say, hey, we want to be on the same page and maintain unity among the body. Now sometimes you hear it referred to as the first among equals That often refers to the individual who who teaches and preaches the word of God because the authority of the elder or the pastor does not come from experience. The authority of the pastor or the elder does not come from um, the world's philosophies. It comes from the word of God. And so if ever an elder is speaking without the word of God open, where's the authority? And so as pastors and elders, our desire is to function in a plurality but maintain unity informed by the will of God through the word of God as we maintain dependence on God through prayer as his spirit informs our decisions. And so take time to pray for the elders and the pastors of this body. So having talked about the role of elders that are introduced, secondly, we consider the responsibility of elders. Verses 2 to 3, Peter says it this way, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you as overseers. First, it says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. The primary role and responsibility of elders, pastors, overseers is shepherding. There are plenty of things that elders and pastors can get distracted by in the local church. 
There are many things that we can find ourselves spending our time on, but the primary duty of the pastor, elder, overseer is to shepherd the flock of God. How are we to shepherd? First, we're called to shepherd as stewards. Shepherd as stewards. Notice there it doesn't say shepherd your flock, shepherd the flock of God. As elders, we're reminded that we are but stewards. A steward owns nothing but a steward manages everything. Those in the local church have been entrusted by the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, the over-shepherd to the under-shepherds of the local body to care for their souls. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, says it this way, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For why? They watch out for your souls. You say, I thought Christ watches out for my soul. I thought God watches out for my soul. Yeah, God watches out for your soul by means of appointing elders in the local church to care for your soul. And so that reminds us of the importance of committing yourself to the local body. It goes on to say, as those who must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. As elders of this church, we feel a great responsibility to care for your soul. And because we, care, we, we feel a great responsibility to care for your soul, we believe membership matters in the local church. You have to understand this. We as the elders will give a unique account before the Lord Jesus Christ to to give a report for how well we shepherd your souls. And so it's important for us to identify among the gathering of the people of God on a Sunday morning who we are going to give an account for. And this is one of the reasons we really believe membership matters in the local church. Give us an opportunity to identify you as one that we are to care for your soul and therefore give an account for later. In Ezekiel chapter 34, we read about those shepherds that fail, who are irresponsible. It says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. These are those who did not do what they were called to. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who are sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because, they, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the field. When they were scattered, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. Irresponsible shepherds. Verse 7, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became prey and my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherd search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, verse 9, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand. I will cause them to cease feeding the sheep, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouths, that they may no longer be food for them. 
What we get to read about there is what it looks like to be an irresponsible shepherd. This morning, we're reminded as elders, we've been called our primary duty is to shepherd the flock of God who is among us. There are a lot of relationships that I've had opportunity to develop over the years. Uh, Before I had the opportunity to pastor here, I had an opportunity to pastor in Arizona. There have been relationships that I've formed throughout my life where I've had the opportunity to invest uniquely in the lives of others spiritually. Great relationships where I've had the opportunity to disciple them. But my primary ministry as an elder, as a pastor, among our fellow elders and pastors is to shepherd the flock who is among us. Now, it's true that I can pour into those who I've had opportunity to disciple over the years, and I continue to do that, but my encouragement to them is that they also would get connected into a local church so that those elders and those pastors can care for their souls because they will also give an account for them. This morning, we're reminded to shepherd the flock of God who is among a shepherd as stewards. Secondly, we're called to shepherd as protectors of God's flock. That's what it means to be overseers. Shepherd the flock of God who is among you as overseer. An overseer is one who protects and, and, and watches over the sheep and acts. Chapter 20, verses 28 to 29, we read this. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Your elders and your pastors have a unique responsibility to watch over your soul by means of guarding against false doctrine. The primary means by which we guard your soul against those who might be savage wolves who may seek to lead you astray is not necessarily pointing out every error out there or every um, thing that, every heresy out there, and we will talk about them if we need to, or a particular individual who might be leading the people astray. Our primary duty is to teach and preach the authoritative word of God. Because the best way that we can equip you and guard you against savage wolves is by means of letting you know the truth so that you can differentiate truth from error. And so as a, as a, as a body of elders and pastors, we are committed to protecting as we shepherd. So shepherds are stewards. Shepherds are protectors. Shepherds, thirdly, are leaders. Shepherds are leaders. Those who are elders and pastors are those who have been appointed to set the path and the pace of the local church. They have been appointed to set the path in regards to Scripture. Now, we're not talking about coming up with our own ideas or adopting some business principles, but we are talking about knowing what the Word of God says and then leading the body in that. As a church, we define our mission in light of how it's described in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Acts 1, 8, we exist as a church to make disciples, to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, to be a disciple and to make disciples. 
We describe it this way, make disciples by knowing God and making him known. And so as we are equipped with the knowledge and the truth of God's word, we then share that knowledge with one another, but also we share it with the lost. And so as each member, our desire is not just to define the mission, but to equip and to provide the vision. Now, as a church, as, as, as elders, we've defined the vision of our church this way. We know that we are doing what we've been called to do when Christ is being exalted, when the body of believers are being edified and are being equipped and built up, and when the lost are being evangelized. Because if Christ is exalted among us, if the body of believers are equipped and edified by the word of God, the result will be as healthy sheep that we are going to reproduce. And there you will see growth among the body as we stay focused on those three things, exaltation, edification, and evangelism. And so as, as, as the elders, as the pastors of the church, our primary duty is to set the path the, the strategic initiatives, as we define the values, we value the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. That's why we do so on Sunday. That's why we do so on Wednesday nights. That's why in small group settings we have Bible studies, but we also have opportunities to follow the message from Sunday and talk about discussion questions about the text because we value sound doctrine and the teaching of God's word. We value prayer and passionate prayer at that. This morning, we had an opportunity to pray for uh, our missionaries, the Converse sisters. Um, we didn't just show the video so that you're informed about where we're sending our money. We, we, we show you the video so that you'll take an opportunity alongside of us to pray for them, to invest some time into considering how can I pray for them. And maybe even if God might be calling you into a particular ministry that you'd step out and you would do that. So, so shepherds and pastors, they set the the path as leaders, but they also set the pace. Many times the church and individuals who make up the church can say, hey, we need to be doing more of this, or we need to be doing more of that, or we need to move this along a little bit faster. God has prepared and designed the elders and the pastors of the church to set the path and to set the pace. And so pastors are to be leaders in the church, and then fourthly, shepherds are to be feeders in the church. <laughs> now, the primary means by which we feed the flock is by means of teaching and preaching the word of God. One of the primary ways we teach God's word is not necessarily topically, even though we'll do that from time to time, and there is a benefit to that. The primary means by which we teach God's word on Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings is verse by verse, chapter by chapter, because we want to teach the whole counsel of God. You know, the thing with teaching through a, a, a book in the Bible or a letter like First Peter is when you get to a certain text, you can't ignore it. You can't skip over it. You know, I get to talk about elders this morning. I could have easily just skipped over that because that refers directly to me, right? No, you have to teach whatever the Bible presents us. And as uh, those in the body, we, as, as elders, as pastors, we see the primary role is to feed the flock. Adrian Rogers once said this, the shepherd is to feed and lead while the sheep is to follow and swallow. You follow and you feast on the word of God. 
And so, what is the primary duty of the shepherds, of the elders, of these leaders? It is to shepherd the flock of God, which is among you as overseers. And then he talks about the responsibility in regards to our attitude as elders and as pastors. Verse 2 goes on to say, um, not by compulsion, but, but willingly. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Not because it's a duty, but because it is a delight. As pastors and as elders, we're called to function in, in the position God has called us to, to oversee the church, to lead the flock, to feed the flock, to care for the flock, to protect the flock. And we are to do that because we want to. In other words, it's a calling. Um, sometimes it's very easy when you have an absence of leadership in the church to want to put someone into that position just because you need it. And so you look for the first person who meets the bare minimum qualifications and say, you're in. And they may be qualified, but if they're not willing, that is not the right person to put in that position. This morning, I'd like to suggest that that doesn't only apply to elders and pastor spiritual leaders in the church. That applies to all the different ministries of the church. If you have an opportunity to sit down with me as you go through the process of membership, one of the conversations we're going to have together is about your spiritual gifts. Um, as I've sat down with some folks sometimes when we have them in our, my office or uh, with my wife in our house, uh, sometimes we'll have that conversation. People say, well, people warned us about this. And the reason is because we want to know what are your spiritual gifts. We want to know what, not just what your gifts are, but what excites you. Because sometimes different peoples in the body will say, hey, you know, um, I just want to serve where I'm needed. And we don't just want you to serve where you're needed. We want you to serve where you're excited. We want you to serve where, 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 where you are willingly there. You don't do it because you have to. You do it because you want to, because you have that unique calling. God has designed the local church like a body. And there are different members who make up that body, and we all have a part to play. What's your part? What's your passion? Now, there are times where you just have to jump in and do what you got to do because there's a need to keep moving forward. And you step into that, but as you get to see a healthy body and a healthy church function, then all the gaps are going to be filled. Why do elders or pastors need to pastor willingly and not under compulsion, out of delight and not out of duty? Because elders sometimes do some tough work. You may not see everything a pastor or elder does, but being an elder means sometimes late nights and early mornings. Being an elder or pastor means there are times because we've got uh, our other elders who uh, work other jobs as well, and they're busy folks. And yet there are times when you've got to really deal with issues of the church, and there are times when elders or pastors become human punching bags, and, and they're just kind of like they get punched down, and they get back up so you can hit them again. And there are times when being an elder and being a pastor gets messy because, you know why? Because sheep bite sometimes. And it hurts. And yet elders and pastors do it, not because it's easy, but because they're called. They do so willingly, not by compulsion. You know, people sometimes ask me, why, why, why did you decide to be a pastor? When did that come about? And I say, for me, it was from my earliest years. For whatever reason, God had put it in my heart and my mind. What my passion is in life is to shepherd the flock of God, is to teach and preach the word of God. 
And so my passion, my desire is investing in the local church, investing in the local body. And over time, God has affirmed that calling through uh, different pastors that I've had. I've had that, uh, that calling affirmed as I've had the opportunity to work with different churches. And so this morning, my, my question to you is, what's your calling? Is there anyone here this morning who God has, has impressed on your heart a desire to perhaps one day be a spiritual leader in the local church? to pastor, to elder, to serve in that capacity, do so willingly and not under compulsion. Uh, secondly, the kind of attitude we are to have is um, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. In other words, uh, you should be excited to do so, not because you get paid for it. <laughs> Money should not be the motivation ministry should be. Um, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in their destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. Now, money is not the root of all evil. The love of it is. And you can turn on some... Christian stations on television and find some people who love money more than they love ministry. You can find individuals who are intoxicated by gaining more wealth or gaining a name for themselves, but the reality is the attitude that elders or pastors should have should uh, uh, um, be one not motivated by money, but motivated by ministry. They should do so eagerly. And then thirdly, the attitude they should have in verse 3 is, is nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. And so elders and pastors are not called to be authoritarian rulers. Pastors or elders are not called to point the finger at you and say, submit to me because I am an elder or I'm a pastor, but they are to lead by example. The kind of leadership we read about that Christ exemplified is one of servant leadership. We see that perfectly when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. He went around the room, washed their feet one by one, and then he said this, as I have washed your feet, wash one another's feet. It's a ministry, not just a foot washing. It's a, a ministry of service and humility and putting the needs of others before your own. And so shepherds and pastors and elders and overseers, bishops are to lead by means of example. And so it can easily come to a point where, where one elder can say, hey, this is my thing that I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. But the ultimate question is not what one particular person wants, but what the word of God declares concerning the purpose and the function of the local church. What is the ultimate mission of the church? And our desire isn't to follow one man's will or one man's desire, but our ultimate desire is to exalt Christ and glorify him and make disciples to the ends of the earth. Because the more disciples get made, the more Christ gets glory. The more of the redeemed we see, the more glory, honor, and praise goes to his name. And so our responsibility is to do so willingly, eagerly, and with meekness. By not lording it over those who are under our care, but by means of leading by example. 
When we read about the character traits and the qualifications of pastors and elders, the reason why those qualifications are there is because they are to be an example to the rest of the church to pursue the same character traits. That means that those character traits are not just an expectation of the elders of the church. Those character traits are an expectation of the whole body of Christ. And when an elder is not qualified, biblically speaking, that's a dangerous place to be for a local church. And so, secondly, we get to see the responsibility of elders, which is to shepherd. I'm going to give you a couple takeaways here. The first one is, is continue to pray for your elders and your pastors in light of this responsibility. Pray that your pastors and elders would shepherd the flock of God, which is among us and to do so with, as overseers. Pray for, for a willingness. Pray for an eagerness. Pray for a meekness as we have an opportunity to serve. And be specific about it in your prayers. Uh, secondly, if this morning God has laid it on your heart and maybe you feel impressed on your heart that God might be calling you in that direction, let us know. Whether you're young or old, wherever you may be at in your age or stage, we want to take an opportunity to chat with you and to develop what God has placed in you and the desire he's placed in you as well. Whether it's in the local church, whether it's a missionary on the field, whatever that may be, we want to come alongside of you. So we talked about the role of spiritual leaders. We talked about the responsibility of spiritual leaders. Lastly, let's talk about the reward of spiritual leaders. We read about that in verse 4. It says this, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, Jesus is the chief shepherd. In John 10, verse 11, it says, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He's the good shepherd in John 10. In Hebrews 13, 20, it says this. Now, may the God of peace who brought, you up our, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd, through the blood of everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well, pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So in John, he's referred to as the good shepherd. In Hebrews, He's referred to as the great shepherd, and here he's referred to as the chief shepherd. We're reminded that shepherds aren't just under shepherds. We are accountable to the over-shepherd, and we've been entrusted, those of the flock of God, for a time and for a season. And we're reminded that not only will we give an account for how well we cared for the souls of those who are among us in the local church but the joy of the Lord is that we anticipate the return of Christ and the reward of Christ. What motivates elders is the same thing that should motivate you and I. Jesus is coming back in glory. And those who shared in his suffering will also share in his glory that is to come. And the reason we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ is not because we will stand fearful of whether or not we will be condemned, but having the assurance of salvation, the judgment we will receive will be one of commendation. And at the return of Jesus Christ, we're reminded he will reward each one. What will he reward us with? It says here in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade 
away. Now the crown we're talking about here, the metaphor we're talking about here is not a royal crown, but a victor's crown. When you ran the Olympics or some kind of race, they put a a crown around your head and it was made of flowers. Those things only last so long. (laughs) The crown you're going to receive in heaven, the reward you're going to receive in heaven does not fade away. Our motivation for ministry as elders or pastors, spiritual leaders, and all of us in the local church is the return of Jesus Christ and the reward that we will receive in Christ as we share in his glory that will be forever and ever and ever. Having talked about the reward, let me just briefly talk about the response. In verse 5, we'll get more into it next time. Likewise, you younger people... Those who aren't elders, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, as we bring a close to our message this morning, can I encourage you with this? Please pray for your elders and your pastors. Please pray for those who oversee the local church, those who feed, who lead, those who care, those who protect. Uh, Pray that they would follow, that we would follow God's leading, that we would follow his path and his pace, and that he would get all of the glory, honor, and praise that that is due his name. And then the words of when we all get to heaven, may this be our motivation. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. While we walk the pilgrim's pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of him in glory will the toils of life repay. Onward to the prize before us. Soon his glorious beauty we will behold Soon the pearly gates are going to open. We will tread the streets of gold. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and we'll shout the victory. Let us pray. Father, I pray, Lord, this morning for our church. Uh, Our gathering of people here this morning, we know that those who make up Twin Rivers Church is not, that this church does not belong to us necessarily. In some respect it does, but it belongs to our chief shepherd, Jesus. It belongs to the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And so, Father, I pray that as a church, as we make decisions and follow your lead and your guide, that Uh, Father, you would guide and direct the elders and the pastors of this church. I want to take a moment to thank you for uh, not just our current elders, but those who have served in the position in the past. We thank you for their faithfulness to this body and the way that they have served faithfully and the reward that they will receive at the end. I pray, Lord, for our uh, leadership of the church. I pray, Father, for um, those who you might be stirring their hearts to one day step into a position of spiritual leadership, that we would walk alongside of them, encourage them, and Lord, as they find their calling in you, that they would serve you faithfully as you've called them to. Lord, I pray for us as a church family, if there's anyone here this morning who 
who needs to learn more about the ministry and serve in that capacity. May we be motivated by your return and the reward that we will receive that doesn't fade away. Father, for anyone here this morning who doesn't know the Good Shepherd, but came this morning because they know their need for him, the one who laid his life for them on that cross to die for their sins and all those who would put our faith and our trust in him, I pray in this moment that if they have a desire to confess Jesus as their Savior and Lord and receive forgiveness of sins, they might say this, Father, I recognize that I need you. I recognize that I've missed the mark. I know that, uh, Lord, that that the wages of sin is death and eternity without God and his people forever. But the gift of God is everlasting life. Today I make Jesus my Savior. Make him my Lord, the one I'm going to follow all the days of my life into eternity. Father, we praise you for these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.